Experience WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational DraftKings Picks and Preview. We're going to be going through the entire field. I want to remind everyone out there to smash the like button. That's you know, step one in all of this. And give me your favorite sleeper below $7,000 in the comment section. Also, rate the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast five stars. Bonus points if you tell a friend. Although, if you're listening to the Pat Mayo Experience podcast, Chances are you don't have any friends. I'm sorry to hear about that. I can be your friend. That's why you're listening, right? Okay. Uh, also, fantasynational.com slash mayo gets you 20% off. I highly recommend doing, if you've never been before or you've never been a part of Fantasy National before, go to fantasynational.com slash mayo on Wednesday for the weekly membership. Now, I'd say just buy the annual. It's the best value on the board. But if you want the weekly to test out the waters, Wednesday's the day to do it. That way, you get all the info for the St. Jude, all the info for the Barracuda, and it goes seven days, so you get all the information and tools open to you for the PGA Championship as well. Get that double dip in. Yeah, don't be afraid to uh, bend the rules to your favor on that one. Promo code mayo or slash mayo gets you 20% off. Only going to be eight bucks. You should try that out. Joining me on the line from DKNation.com, a preeminent golf writer in the space, one who cannot beat Pat Mayo for Fantasy Golf Writer of the Year ever. It's Jeff Ulrich. What's up? Oh, it's so true. I've been nominated twice, denied twice, and then you just come in and swoop in, Pat, and grab that thing from me. But no, I'm doing great, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. And hey, I mean, a couple, couple more events, and we finally get to the first major of the season, so... I mean, not even a couple more events. We got one more event to go. One and more. Then, like, we're there. Next I guess week. I counted. I guess I counted the Barracuda. Yeah, DraftKings isn't running any contests for Barracuda. I think it has something to do with the wonky Stableford scoring. It yeah. just like breaks their systems. They're like, you know what? Although there is, people always overrate demand for this stuff. It's like when like, I don't know, yeah. when like Challenge Tour people are like, oh my god, I can't believe the contests are so small for European Challenge. It's like. It's because there's like eight people who want to play this. I think the Barracuda could have done well. Uh, and just because yeah. I think that field is just more appealing, especially with a no cut event uh, on the other side with all the bigger names, like the actual people who kind of like dig into golf every week, love the Barracuda field, myself included. But at the same time, I kind of get it. I don't think they're like missing out because they don't have any Barracuda. <laughs> I think they're really missing out on the Martin Keimer comeback story this week, personally. So, you know, big miss by DraftKings there. I'm just kidding. I mean, you're right. You know, the Puerto Rico Open is another one of those events where people get so excited and then, you know, they, they have trouble sometimes filling contests. But it would have been cool. I think it, it's a Stableford scoring thing, though. We have this conversation like every year around this time and they, it just obviously screws them up to the point where they, they want to be able to put out a reliable scoring product and they obviously can't do that. So. Yeah, of course. That means that what they're going to do is just wait out until it's the DraftKings Open and then it's just a very easy integration with the system. I remember when you brought that idea up and it's still... Very good idea. So one day, one day. Uh, so we're in Memphis for TPC Southwind. Uh, I've hit on this a few times so far, but if you check out my column, you'll see that if you search course history, you're only going to find one year of data from this course as a WGC. That was last year, 2019, the first year it moved from Firestone to TPC Southwind. Before that, sometimes, like depending on the system that you use, if you're looking up like tournament history, you're going to get tournament history from Firestone. So you want to like pivot over to the St. Jude Classic if you're looking for this course. There's been a PGA event played in Memphis every year since 1958, so we're not stopping that. This is only the second year as a WGC setup and small field no-cut event uh, for this course. What are you looking at for TBC Southland? What do we know? We know it's a long par 70. We know that there's a lot of water, and we know that there's no cut this week. So what sort of players are you leaning towards? I mean, yeah, this, so this course really definitely plays more like a Florida course. I, I really group it in with things like PJ National, Copper. I think Copperhead is probably the best comparison or the closest comparison uh, you can Jeff, make. Jeff, of- I'm going to cut you off right there. Is this just a way for you to tell us about how you're betting Paul Casey? <laughs> we'll get there, but yes, <laughs> that, that has been done this week. I mean, look. 90, let's just talk about it first. I mean, 90 to one. Were you expecting those type of odds on Paul Casey? I, I, I would have probably been happy with 60 to one, but. I mean, 60 to one, I probably wouldn't have bet it. Like I have no faith yeah. in Paul Casey, but I, it opened at a hundred to one. I was like, I'm in, let's go. Uh, I, yeah, I have no. wasted my money on such stupider things. Although this is probably near 
the very top of stupid things I've just like lit my money on fire for, but 100 to 1 Paul Casey in a limited field. And, you know, what happens if he gains one stroke putting this week? Where do you think he finishes? Just just say, like, at the end of the week, you look at his, like, overall metrics, and he has a positive one in the strokes game putting. What's he going to finish, like, fourth? Yeah, I was going to say, like, T8, but T5 is also possible. I mean, if he goes nuts with his irons and, and ends up – I mean, he led the field in greens and regulation here last year. I know people like to look at – strokes gain approach more, but I mean, that like, that's a pretty good sign as well. So um, yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's like bet Paul Casey at the masters at like 50 to one last three years. Yeah. I'm going to bet him at 90 to one in pretty much any event. So uh, that was, that was something that, you know, I was going to get around to when I brought up Copperhead and look last time Paul Casey won at Copperhead, he missed the cut terribly at, uh, at, at the players. Uh, TBC Sawgrass at the players. So I've done my research a little bit on that too, but Again, it just comes down to price there. Um, back to TPC Southwind, though. It, it, again, like I said, it plays a little bit like a Florida course. Um, again, I don't necessarily think you just have to target players who've done well in Florida, but I think that that's a, a good starting point at the very least. So looking at those venues, um, you know, strokes gain approach. But you know, one thing I did find a little bit interesting here, I think it was the top 20 or top 22 players. They all gained strokes putting here last year in this event. So as much as this is kind of a bit of a ball strikers paradise, I mean, you can't, you can't do nothing on the greens, which maybe does not bode well for a Paul Casey bet. But at the same time, um, th this does come down to more of just like a, a, a venue where you want to emphasize strokes gain approach a little bit more. Uh, I do think it's, it can be classified as just, you know, strokes gain T to green venue where you, you need to be pretty much solid in all facets of your game. But the green complexes here tend to be a little bit easier, especially probably should be easier than we saw at Muirfield anyways. So, that's something else to consider. Some of these bigger hitters tend to have an easier time around the green, kind of what we've seen with like Dustin and Brooks the last couple of years. It's funny, like even looking at it, you're kind of right. Like um, I actually weighted strokes gain putting into the modeling this week and gave it like a 10% emphasis. Yeah. Like Bubba gained strokes putting, like he's kind of hit or miss when it comes to the greens, especially on Bermuda. But everyone else is like kind of someone that you'd peg as a pretty good putter. Like Rory's kind of hit or miss. But like you have Webb, Leishman, Fleetwood. Fitzpatrick, Poulter, like all these guys kind of pop up inside. And then, but you have someone like Patrick Reed who loses two and a half strokes and still comes in 12, who is probably one of the better, like long-term consistent putters. So it's still a bit dicey. Like I'm like, you're probably not going to see me on Corey Connors, put it that way. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you don't, and again, like the wind could get up a little bit this, this week and, and maybe change things into the fact where it just emphasizes like strokes gain approaches more and, and T to green play more. So that's something else to consider. I'm not necessarily putting off players because I, I don't think they're putting well or anything. Obviously I, I kind of like Paul Casey, but at the same time, if it comes down to it, I'll probably take someone who's trending a little bit better in that area just because uh, of the last couple of results that we've seen here. Yeah, only one winner has finished worse than 16th in the week in the past 10 years and strokes gained off the tee. Like, there's so yeah. much water and that yep. presents such blow-up numbers that you do want someone who can drive the ball and just keep themselves safe. Like, that's step one. It's not the most imperative. You don't need to lead the field in driving. But if you're, like, way back, that means you're wet and you're, like, plus 10. Wet and plus 10, and there are some some bigger carries here. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're just really short, you're, you're just over – you're putting a lot of pressure on your longer iron game. So, obviously, that could be made up. I mean, a guy like Webb Simpson, who's just a terrific long iron player, you know, doesn't have a problem with that. But there are shorter hitters out there who will. So, if they're not if they're not hitting a ton of fairways and, and they're laying back too much, I mean, that'll, that'll come into play too, which is, again, why I feel like Dustin and Brooks, they just put themselves in good positions. Obviously, they had really good weeks – with their putter, like top, you know, 2% weeks kind of thing, especially Brooks last year, but um, they, they put themselves in the prime position to start. So, yeah. So I think that like fairways gained in driving accuracy combined with like long and straight, only one of those things that you actually need to be to enter the mainstream adult film industry, but here you need to have both. So if you're looking at someone who's like Rom and Rory, theoretically, I think set up the best. If you're just, if you're just looking at spreadsheet golf, I mean, those are the two best players, but also they do the two things that you really want here long and straight that's what you need yeah and I, I think it does speak a little bit to Rory's had a, a quite a bit of success in Florida over his career obviously won the players but he's he's won Honda National or Honda Classic excuse me a PGA National as well so uh, a player who maybe excels a little bit on these type of tracks where you know he, he just he's so consistent off the tee and he's putting himself in such good positions he doesn't 
necessarily have to worry about the water as much because of his consistency off the tee that he just over time, he, he's going to really dominate at these kind of tracks. So uh, I think Rory between the two, probably better, a little bit better long-term, obviously he's more consistent off the tee. I mean, Rom's playing really great right now, but um, I, I think that that sort of speaks to the type of player you're looking at. Um, you know, Webb Simpson is, is another player, but he does it more just from, from hitting fairways and, and being so good with the long irons, like I said, but it's still someone who's peppering fairways. So I'm not someone who's necessarily going to look at driving accuracy, but I think uh, you bring up those, those good stats that you have on fantasy national, like fairways gained. I think that that's definitely something I would work into a model uh, this week, uh, especially one, if you were building it there. Yeah. So the top 10 players since the restart in this field, in terms of fairways gained, Streelman and Todd are tied for the lead. I think Streelman's actually kind of interesting this week because he's been putting a lot better. Then you have JT post and Kevin. Nah, T dunks. Fitzmagic, Answer, Webb, Morikawa, Casey, Michael Thompson. Uh, then you have like Reavy, Rom, Berger, Landry, and Adam Hadwin are all the guys after that. And the only ones that rank inside the top 50 in this field in driving distance of that group is John Rom, who is 10th in driving distance. The next closest one is Xander, 7th in driving distance, 19th in accuracy. Yeah, and and some of these names that you're you're spouting out. I mean, I've I've already seen some people talking about guys like Brendan Todd this week, who's coming off a, a couple of nice finishes, but he's he's been peppering fairways a lot. And and when he can keep himself dry, I mean, and safe, that's he's a guy who can just fill it up on the greens as well. And um, you know, the other player, I, I mean, and and then you have a player like Abraham Answer who if he wasn't coming off the weirdest performance ever in his career where he lost, I think like 7.8 strokes on approach, this would be like the perfect venue for, for Abraham Adger. I, I think, I, I don't think I could create, think of a better venue, you know, long-term for a guy like that, who is actually, I wouldn't say he's long off the tee, but he's not super short. He does hit a ton of fairways and then his approach game is, is top notch. Right. So answer is, is the type of player who, who you'd expect to really excel long-term. Again, though, he's coming off that, that weird performance. There was a little bit of rumblings that he might have like tweaked his wrist at the end, his wrist at the end of the Travelers. So maybe that built into that, that performance where he was so bad with his irons at the Memorial. But again, that type of player, um, if, if you're not like a long straight hitter like, like a Xander or something like that, then, then Abraham Answer is kind of the model for, for me looking at uh, players more down from the like top elite tier. Let's talk about the 10k range it's really tough this week like you have john rom at the top he's 11.4 rory is also above eleven thousand dollars uh then you have bryson at an even 11 justin thomas 10.7 patrick cantley a 600 drop down to 10.1 those are all the guys ten thousand dollars and above this is a no-cut event the leaderboard on DraftKings is just gonna flip-flop like basically every single hole like you could be in first place after three rounds and then like last place because guys are just gonna storm up and shoot like nine under from the back of the pack then all of a sudden like oh you actually needed that guy who was irrelevant for the entire tournament i hate no cut events on DraftKings. fortunately there are 78 players in this field it's not like 30 players in the field so that does lend itself a little bit to creating a few more unique lineups and giving you a few more options but you probably always want to leave a bit of money on the table and this is probably a good week to go super contrarian in my contrarian stance i'm not using anyone above ten thousand dollars oh okay that's interesting my um my first inclination was more just because of the depth of the field i think it lends itself more to like super um like just top heavy stacks with like going like I, i'm definitely gonna have a, a lineup with rom and rory in it because I think that the the guys at the lower end, like uh, like sixty five hundred, maybe even below, are they're more live than than at a normal WGC event because the depth of the field. Like they've taken players from outside of the top fifty in the world, rather than just bringing in like the Sean Norris's of the world to fill it up kind of thing. And and maybe He's, only have like in, in fairness, players. Sean Sean Norris is playing in this field. No, I know he is. <laughs> but he's like he's like the only one like a lot of times we get like multiple Sean Norris's I guess is my point and we have like five of them to choose from and they're all terrible and none of them end up like cracking the top 50 but you know th this week we have guys like um you, you know I mean How Tong Lee is 6100 he's really good Joel Do Joel Dahman is, is 6200 so I think it just lends itself a little bit more to that but at the same time you know people are going to notice that so you can be contrarian, I think, in both directions. Um, and, and again, I, if you're making multiple lineups, maybe you're making five, maybe making 10, probably doing a couple of both, um, you know, like super balanced where you're not going over 10K and, and then super top heavy 
it might be a good way. It's a good way to at least get yourself unique lineups, I think. I think that you're somewhat correct on that. I just think a lot of people will have a gigantic problem with fading anyone from the 10K range. Like, I'm only going to play, like, I usually play, like, 20, 25, 30 lineups, check everything, and I'm playing three lineups this week. Like, I'm going to save my bullets for next week at the PGA Championship. Like, I'll play the three in my tournament. Also, if you're just watching the show for the first time, every single week you can find the link to the Pat Mayo Experience Listener's League in the description of the podcast in video. Tournament's full this week, so you can't join it this week. But, you know, when you see the first look show come out on Saturday evening or Sunday morning, probably something you want to get in on. I'm not going to lie to you. If you want to get your spot reserved, because there's a limited amount of people that can actually join that for the guaranteed rake-free tournament. Best tournament on DraftKings. Just, I have a hard time believing that people are going to look at this no-cut event and almost, like, where you said it, you can build from the bottom up if you wanted to. Therefore, you could have Rory and Rom, or Rom and Bryson, or R- Bryson and Rory. Like those lineups are acceptable. And hell, we didn't even talk about Justin Thomas in this. But I just feel like the guys in the 9K aren't too far behind them. Like if everyone plays at their peak, Rom or Rory are probably going to win. But if they don't play at their peak, then guys like Webb and Brooks and like that type of player can really come through. So the, the one guy I'm seeing that's probably not going to carry a lot of ownership here is Patrick Cantlay, which I was really surprised about. Yeah, that, that's music to my ears. Um, I, I really like Patrick Cantlay, not just for this week, but for next week as well. I really feel like he's a player who's, who's trending towards uh, something, doing something big. I mean, kind of much like John Rahm seemed to be doing since the restart, but you're right. I mean, I, I thought Cantlay might end up being a little bit chalky this week, but now that I have sort of taken in the salary structure, I mean, you're, you're dead on about the 9K range. I was just bringing up the, the, the top-heavy stacks for, again, you're, you're thinking about being a little bit more contrarian. I think that's one way to do it. But, look, the 9K range, I'm not going to disagree with you. If a guy like Xander Shoffley or, or even, even Hovland or Morikawa just, just play up to their peak, you know, it's going to take a monster effort by Rory or Rom to beat them. So stacking and, and going with the, the 9k range i think that's going to be the move you also have brooks and, and finau down there in the low 9k range super affordable um and, and people are going to gravitate to both those players for different reasons so yeah i think patrick cantley could be the odd man out here i mean i think people will will look at the 600 difference between him and thomas and they're just going to take thomas because i mean quite frankly he's he's the he's still the better player he's, he's proven more explosive just a a far better win rate at this point in his career but Look, I really like the way Patrick Cantley's trending. He's out of his last 16 starts, he's been T21 or better in 13 of them. I mean, this is a player who just does not play poorly. He's he just hasn't quite won at the same rate as a guy like Justin Thomas, but he could pop off for for a couple uh, event run at any time, in my opinion. And parts of his game have really improved over the last couple of years, over the last year, really, putting in short game. So. I like taking advantage of that this week. I've, I've, I've already kind of bet him actually at 20 to one. I don't necessarily love the price, but it's more of more of a hedge for me against uh, a PJ championship bet I already made. So I do like this price from the fact that he's not going to be overly chalky though. And you can still, if you start with him, you can still almost do your plan. Like you said, go Cantlay and then just load up on guys in the nine K range as well. When I first assessed the betting board this week when I was talking to Jeff, I found it really strange that Cantlay was this weird, like, in-between player between the top four in the betting odds and then everyone else. Like, Cantlay was priced way ahead of Xander and Webb and Morikawa and Hovland and Brooks and Hatton and all of these guys, where I don't think that he's earned that cred in terms of the betting market. However, in terms of DraftKings, I think it's going to lead to really low ownership on a guy who's generally super chalky. I think you're right about that, that I I don't think that I'm going to end up using him, uh, but maybe I can reconstruct my lineups a little bit because I, I just don't see a world where Webb should be 22 to one and Cantlay should be 16 to one. Even though like, listen, Cantley can definitely win, but Webb actually wins a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, completely. And, Again, I think I bring up the the odds. I mean, I don't really think they're they're that great. Like you're not getting super value. You can get him around twenty to one out there if, if you look around. But you know, again, some people may not have access to that as well. But the one thing I will say about Cali, he was like fourteen to one at Memorial. So now we're getting basically the same kind of quality of field, and he is a little bit higher than that. And it's it's almost like okay, he doesn't have the super great course history at Memorial. So now he's he still played well there, and he, and he shook off the competitive rust. So I don't think it's necessarily like the worst number, but I agree. I think from a DraftKings perspective, like leveraging that lower ownership with him and these GPPs, probably the, the better play. 
Um, but I do really like him uh, just, just the way he's trending. I mean, I feel like he's a player who came off the break. He's gotten those. I mean, for him to come in at Memorial basically cold, he would have had two top tens if not for one bad round. And uh, I mean, if he had top ten at the the second time of Muirfield Village, his, his number might even be worse this week. So that's something to consider. But I think in that range, anyways, for DraftKings purposes, which is what we're talking about, it's just going to lead to lower ownership, which is which is really nice. Bryson, are you in or out this week? Haven't made a a super definitive decision, but I, I really probably will be out on him. Um, I want to play some Rory and I, I might even get a little bit of exposure to Rom. So um, that just means that, you know, I'm not going to play all three guys and spread them across lineups. I'll probably end up fading Bryson. I just don't like the fact that he still hasn't figured out his irons. And now we're coming to a course where, yeah, like being long and straight off the tee is great, but you need to at least be, you know, sort of top 30% with your irons, at least, which Bryson has not done over his last really few events. And even though he's won, even though he won at, uh, in Detroit, obviously, still losing strokes on approach. It just scares me a little bit too much, especially for a player with 11K. So if Bryson figures it out here, um, you know, I have a little bit of a piece on him at, at, for the PGA as well that I, I made earlier. So that'll be enough to, to suffice, you know. But for me right now, I just I can't really make a great argument other than probably most people are thinking like me and he's probably going to be he might even be lower on than Cantley. So that that was the point that I was going to get to. Like I haven't completely no, decided on which way that I want to play this, but I think I'd rather pay up for Bryson than play Cantley because uh, I project those two guys to be way lower on than the other three guys above. And like it's yeah. really hard. Like you're really nitpicky at this point. Like do you say, well, it's really hard to make a pros and cons list and say, hey, here's why Rom is better than Rory, Bryson, Thomas, and Cantley kind of thing. Like, they're all kind of the same. Like, I think the Cantley is a tier down from a lot of these guys. You can make a pretty good argument that Bryson hasn't quite reached that level yet in terms of overall career, but the way that he's been playing outside of one tournament, you would kind of have to go with it. And I think that his driver, if he can continue to gain so much off the tee, like the players that we've seen play really well here, like, Rory and Brooks go head-to-head going into the final round last year. Those are, like, the two best drivers of the ball on planet Earth. The year before that, Dustin was the best driver of the ball on planet Earth. He won. Bryson is currently the best driver of the ball right now. That It seems to me that he has the one secret sauce skill that can go overcome a lot of the problems here. And it doesn't seem like people want to play him, which is really strange. Yeah. Again, it's just recency bias, right? I mean, it's one bad cut i mean you you take that one event out and and if he had cut if he had just skipped that event and come in i mean he probably would be like five percent maybe even more for, maybe ten percent higher in, in terms of ownership so it, it, it's all good points i mean if, if the irons get going even a little bit he's not a player who has to gain like eight strokes with his irons now because his driver is so good and putting him in so such good position and he is a player who can get really hot with his putter too so something to consider. He's a better long-term putter than Justin Thomas at this point in his career. I, I feel pretty safe saying that. He, so. he, he is a better long-term putter than any one of these five guys, like by a pretty significant margin. Yeah, I, fair enough. I mean, obviously, like Rory and Rom can, can get hot with their putter too. But I, I, I think, and again, I mean, I don't have this, all the stats in front of me, but I, I wouldn't, I'm not, uh, wouldn't take argument with that at all. He's, he can get really, really hot with the putter. And we've seen that before. I mean, before he became Beast Bryson, that was kind of how he... He uh, started winning tournaments, right? So a, a really interesting figure. Um, him and Cantlay are going to be, if, if one of them end up winning, I mean, it, you can get some some really good leverage in GPPs this week. So, so definitely, you know, I mean, we, you might have already switched my mind a little bit on Bryson. I might, I might have to, to reconsider my stance on Rory, but we'll see. Yeah, I kind of just talked myself into Bryson, which I did not yeah, expect. Yeah, I feel like do. you talked me into it too. So, right, so good. <laughs> so Bryson's definitely going to come like dead fucking last this week. So great news. Um, Bryson over the past five tournaments is averaging three strokes gained on the greens per tournament over his past 10, 2.7, over his past 22.2. Rory is 0.5 over his past five, 0.7 over his past 10, 1.1 over his past 20. And then you have Rom, who's 0.1 over his last five, 1.9 past 10, 1.7 over his past 20 starts. But the thing that you'll notice between Bryson versus Rory and Rom is just the overall consistency, where Rom and Rory, like you mentioned, have these big spike weeks. And that's what it takes to win one of these huge spike weeks. But Bryson is just constantly lingering like plus four strokes game plus 2.2 like that's like if that's not a bad week for him because he's obviously everyone's going to lose strokes putting at some point but it just seems like week in week out bryson is just bryson gets a bad rep on the greens because 
he misses like a bunch of 18 footers, which doesn't actually hurt your strokes gain putting all that much because that's a very low percentage putt to make. It just you people just so focus in on Bryson and everything he's doing well or everything he's doing poorly that people don't seem to know that people don't make a lot of 18 footers on a consistent basis. Yeah, he's he does he gets a he gets a worse rap than than he deserves for sure in that regard. I mean, um, around the greens is kind of the same thing. I mean, he he can he can definitely do some blow ups, and again, people have that fresh in their mind from from the last few events. But dude, he, on a consistent basis, he he sinks more long putts. I, I would venture to guess than than Rom and Rory for for sure. So uh, again, if you're if you're thinking about Bryson, don't discount him because of, of like a, a putter, that's for sure. But um, the, the only thing I'm worried about is just him figuring out those irons. But man, I mean, like when he starts to gain strokes consistently with his irons, and I know we've been saying this for a while, I mean, he, he might become unstoppable. So he's already kind of been unstoppable. Um, it's just, I, I'm, I, I'm almost wonder if he's just waiting for that, that major to, to really start firing with those clubs. And I, it, it, I make it sound like he can just flip it on at some point, but the dude is so methodical in his his approach. Um, it wouldn't shock me if we just see it. Maybe even start this week and then and then go into next week. I, I'm still really high on Bryson for the majors at the very least, and this is like a, as close as you can get to a major. So if he starts firing again, um, wouldn't shock me at all. They're gonna have to go to Mr. Big and Tall if he ends up winning Augusta. Get like the the bulked up green jacket for him. I I do think that is the best setup for him of all of the majors upcoming. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, if you really look at it, I mean, the wider fairways, you have to get like Craig Stadler's jacket out of the <laughs> out of the locker room. I mean, the walrus, right? So, or whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, the wider fairways there, uh, the, the, the extra par fives, it sets up really, really well for Bryson long-term as well. I don't mind TPC Harding Park as well. Just having looked at the course a little bit, there's not a ton of dog legs or anything. And it really looks like the the sort of straighter routing is, is going to like lend itself to taking a lot of drivers. There is a, there's a little bit of possibility the rough is really up, but you know Bryson's been driving it pretty straight as well. And again, he's so he's so long and he's so you know just bulky now that hitting out of the rough probably isn't going to affect him as much as it does other people. So I think TPC Harding Park be good, could be good, but you're right. Of all the three major venues, I mean Augusta has to be the best place for him. 9K range. Webb Simpson is the most expensive. Uh, I have bet Webb Simpson to win this event at 22 to 1. He's $9,900. I've also bet Xander Shoffley at 22 to 1 to win this event. He's $9,800. And you got Hattenberg, or not Hattenberg, Hattenberger, Morikawa, Hovland, Dustin, Brooks, Finau, Fitzpatrick. It's a pretty clustered range. And I think that you could, you would be fine if you want to use like three of these guys and do an adjusted stars and scrubs that way. But I mean, I also bet Brooks to win. He's down to 28. He was 33. I, I think I'm just going to go Webb, Xander, Brooks, the three guys that I bet, construct a few lineups around them, and then I'm going to splice in Morikawa at 95. With only three lineups, I'll probably like try to splice him into one or two and divvy up the top of my lineups that way. I can't figure out what the fuck to do with Dustin, to tell you the truth. like You need to have some balls to play Dustin this week, but it could be like an actual life-changing amount of money winner if he comes through. Yeah, Dustin is, it almost, it just feels like a big setup, doesn't it? Like everyone is going to gravitate a little bit more towards Brooks and Finau down there and, and they'll just all, or, or they'll just pay up for guys like Xander and Webb who've been more consistent. And, and Dustin is just going to be like 3% owned and he's going to come in and he's just going to kind of, you know, lank on the course and just go about his business and shoot like four sixty sixes and come like either win or come like top five. Right. So it wouldn't shock me in the least. I have no idea what's going on with Dustin John. No one really does. Um, if he's actually a back injury or, or if, if it's just like a minor thing or a major thing. So um, I, I probably, I, I, you know, we talk about people. I don't have the balls to do that this week. I don't think I'm going to bother again. We're getting such a, an elite field that I feel like there's, there's still lower own plays. Like I, I really feel like even the players above him, I don't feel like the burger more Cal Hovland range is going to be highly owned at all. I think most people are going to gravitate either going down towards Brooks or Finau, saving that money, or going up to like the course history, or not the course history, just going up to, to Shoffley and, and Simpson, who have been a little bit more talked about already this week and, and the far more consistent players of late. I think Shoffley coming off a performance where he basically saved everyone's week who was on him at the Memorial, building up that goodwill. It's just good recency bias for, for people to drop back on, right? So, um, you know, I, Dustin is, is really interesting just from a, a pure 
how old is he going to be? Probably not much, but um, I'm probably safe just just going elsewhere. Because I did take a little piece of Brooks as well. I just felt like that number was too big, but I'm not super confident in it. Um, not as confident as some other people seem to be. He did strike the ball well, though, in Minnesota. And, you know, minus six strokes putting, it's just not something that Brooks Kepka usually does two events in a row, so... No, and it's one of the worst of his career, the third worst of any miscut performance on the greens in his career so far, and that's dating back to 2014 when we have all that shot link data from him. I think Hatton's the guy in this range that if you want if you actually want to roll the dice, I'm not sure where his ownership is going to come in because he just seems overmatched by the name power that surrounds yeah. him. And if people want to go with like good form course history, they're going to be on Berger, who's won at this course twice. But Hatton has four top 10 finishes in his past four starts. Like he's been fucking amazing. He, he's really good. And over his career, he's been this type of player. Like he'll, he'll go for two month stretches where he's just like T8 or better in every event and he'll pick up a couple wins. So obviously we're talking about a different class of, of players he's competing against now on a weekly basis. But Dude can get red hot. And realistically, again, you, you talk, I mean, this has some similarities to where he just, uh, you know, almost won again at, at Harbortown. Um, it, he just wanted a Florida links course. Like he should really, he should eat up this, this, this type of venue as well. He sets up similar as a type of player to Webb Simpson who's done well here. So I can't really say anything bad about him, except like you said, he just, he feels like he's a little bit overmatched now in his salary range, much kind of like Matthew Fitzpatrick feels like both these English players getting a big bump in salary um, mainly just due to some insane recent finishes where they either climbed up the leaderboard Sunday or, or Hatton has just had himself in contention like three events in a row now. So I don't really know what to do with those players either. I don't really want to play, play them at their salary, but I also recognize these are, these are pretty good setups for both these players. Fitzpatrick is an insanely good Bermuda grass putter. If you even look at those kind of stats, you don't have to, but um, either one of these dudes could pop off. And I really feel like, hitting the right type of player that is has his salary juiced up a little bit is probably going to be the key to this week. Like even maybe like a Daniel Berger, if you play him or don't play him, um, one of these guys who's just feels a little bit out of his range, probably going to overperform again and, and might be the key to this week. It could be. Uh, if you built your team Webb Hatton Berger and just use that style of player, I think that would be way off the beaten path. And like, oh, I yeah. do, I do think that those three players are somewhat correlated together in skill set rather than like, you know, Xander or Morikawa where they have like supreme ball strikers. Though Hatton's ball striking has been amazing. But then you take three of the best putters in the field and just hope they get hot. I have no real interest in Fitzpatrick here. And I think he's going to be super popular. Yeah, it, it, I think people are, are kind of on this train. And again, I, I think it's just a good, I don't, I don't know if it's a good, but it's like a merging of a really good, that really good course history, some stats that can like, you know, lend you towards this and, and saying like, oh, well, he's not actually that expensive because again, like I say, he's a good Bermuda putter. He's coming off, he's got great form. He's just been talked up in the media by like Bones Mackay, who, who is his caddy. I mean, it's everything is kind of converging for Matthew Fitzpatrick and it really feels like, this is probably going to be a letdown. I mean, um, he's priced more than Hideki Matsuyama and Patrick Reed. I mean, like that seems I'm just, crazy. It's it, as you would say, Pat. It's fucking nuts. Like <laughs> I'm not paying up for Matthew Fitzpatrick at nine k this week. Um, but but but, the, but, but, but but to think about it, like game, like I'm not either. Yeah. But like if he was going to be like three percent owned, I might just because in a field right. with only 78 sure. players and no cut you're going to have to take guys you don't want to take and play the ownership game somewhere. And that would be a spot to do it. That's not even the case. Like Hatton seems exactly. far more like that guy than Fitzpatrick does. Exactly. And, and, you know, since I brought up the two of them, I mean, I, I would much more, much rather pay up for Hatton than, than Fitzpatrick here. So um, again, if he's even going to push like 10% ownership, which seems very, very likely, then uh, I'll be completely out. I think Matsuyama is probably the dude who, who won't be getting the love that, any love in that range. But uh, again, I, I don't, we don't have final ownership projections or anything, but as far as paying up for, for old Matty Fitz, uh, I'll be out. Um, I'll look for, I'll look for other dudes to, to back. Yeah. So let's talk about the AK range. Hideki is the top of that range. He is $8,900. I have him as projected besides Dustin to be the lowest owned player above $8,000, like from 8,000 to ROM. Like, I have him to be the lowest owned. But in this entire range, on Fantasy National, I don't have a star next to any of these players. Yeah. The, the AK range is interesting. I do like I do like one player quite a bit here. Reed. Um, 
but I'm not super high on pretty much anyone else in this range, which again, probably lends itself to being a good range for making some, some, you know, GPP sort of um, spots where you just take a stance, but some GPP stances, I guess we'll call it. And, and living with the results because, you know, guys like Tommy Fleetwood, even Abraham answer, who's, who's again, I think most people will, will be cautious with coming off that weird performance at the Memorial. Um, these are players who are, are just set up very well for, for this type of venue. So um, Matsuyama, I don't think I'm, I'm going to go there. I haven't, haven't a hundred percent, you know, decided that, but um, I still feel like Reed will probably be the, the minimal chalk in this range. And the guy I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested why people aren't talking a bit more is Gary Woodland. Um, that's the player I, I really do like from this range. Um, it's been trending pretty well. He's, he's gained strokes putting in eight straight events now, which is absolutely insane considering we're talking about Gary Woodland. Um, his approach game has been top notch. The only thing that, that worries is just his, his driver has been like very hit or miss of late. So yeah, that could really drag him down. That's the thing. Like if his drive and it's yeah. people are you gonna be using Gary Woodland here? I think that he's gonna be one of the more popular plays from this range. And if his driver continues to be what it's been like, he's gonna be wet all weekend. Yeah, no, there there is a there's an element of risk with Gary Woodland. I, I'm not not denying that as well. And he could easily put in a couple triple bogeys here and and uh, end up, you know, like T50 after three rounds. So, but at the same time, you look at the rest of his game, this is pretty much exactly what we want from, from, from a type of player. And again, you look at his history, he has done well at places like, he's got a win at Copperhead as well. So um, you look at the last two winners of this event. I mean, Brooks, Dustin, US Open winners. I don't know. I, I'm okay eating uh, eating a little bit of Gary Woodland chalk this week. I, I definitely he was my first bet of the week too at 45 uh, 45 to one. It, it is contingent on him finding some consistency consistency with that driver. But you know maybe this this style of of course just brings out the best and he can just use that stinger all day long um, and doesn't have to bring out the driver quite as much and, and rely on his good iron play almost like uh, a, a play this course a bit like Webb Simpson does. So I think Gary has that in his bag now considering his, his putting is. Is uh, is I, I you know I guess upper tier. It sounds so strange to say, but I, I really like this price on him, and I do like uh, I do like the way he's trending. There's a bottom part of the 8K range where I think that if you really wanted to make a stand, you felt good about it that you could use one of these three guys. I just don't know which one to use if I want to use any of them because I don't think that I am. So you have Fowler, Day, and Spieth. No one's using these guys. I think I would prefer Ricky out of the three, and I know Day has been playing a lot better, but. It feels like the moment people want to jump back on board with Jason Day, it's just it's curtains for them. Yeah, curtains. Um, yeah, I mean, I was doing some some ba- trying to get to this back issue that he had at Memorial with Jason Day, and again, it just sounds like it's, it's he's not quite a hundred percent. I mean, he's he's still playing guarded, and again, that worries you long term because yeah, he was able to grind his way around Memorial, and that's fine, and and his short game and putter came alive, but. What happens when it turns into an outright like sort of you know ball striking fest where you need to be great with your your approaches and he's still not like able to just go at it 100 percent i i it worries me i i wanted to consider him here but i i just don't think that this is quite the the type of venue that um his short game is necessarily going to shine through because it's a little bit easier green complexes so i think i'm probably out on day as well i'll be honest i, I might i might go back to speed here uh you know he did put up a t12 uh, at this venue last season when he was kind of just doing it all with his putter. Now he is striking the ball a little bit better. I don't really want to play either any of these three, to be honest. Um, but Ricky has been the most consistent off the tee. So I'm, I'm being very sort of non-committal here. It, it would come down to Fowler speed for me as well. I, I think I'm okay. Um, canceling Jason day out. Uh, he, he won me some money at the Memorial. So I'm not going to push my luck there. I, you're probably better off going with Fowler because of the consistency off the tee. I feel like speed probably, little bit better upside though if he does uh if he does hit it straight this week yeah i'm just going to take a full pass on that entire range so we'll go into the that's probably what i'm going to do too as you can tell i was struggling to even talk listen you can just say that you have no interest in these guys you don't need to give me a reason why they might play well you don't need to be the fence sitter guy you can say fuck these guys let's move on and then when you're wrong we'll be like i'll I'll replay the clip and i'll be like see what this guy knows (laughs) 7k range 
I like Matthew Wolf at $7,900. No one's going to be talking about him because his like good performances have come at kind of like wonky places, but this does seem like a course where he could play really well. He's really good off the tee. The irons are clicking right now, and he's like super hot and cold with the putter, and he's super hot right now. He was good, he was good here last year too. Um, like he didn't, uh, he didn't finish high up or anything, but he was solid around the bag. I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I like Matthew Wolf. Obviously, we got a couple. He's around a couple dudes too who – um, I don't think he was going to be super popular anyways, but I mean, Sergio and Casey always carry a little bit of ownership, especially when they're priced in this range. I do kind of like Sergio who's been really, really good off the tee, but you know, you can play two of these guys. I mean, if you're idiots like us and you want to play Paul Casey, you can still use Matthew Wolf in the I, same lineup. I, I don't know if I'm going to use Paul Casey or not. I feel like my hundred to one right. bet with the top five is good enough for Paul Casey that I, I just won't let him abuse me in my DraftKings lineups. <laughs> I think that is an excellent strategy. And, and that is probably something I will be adopting as well. We got the big number on Paul Casey. Let's not, let's not push our luck, Pat, and, and like make it a double sort of, uh, headache weeks so it's true like I think by, Matthew Wolf was a- like the the odds at 100 to 1 are so much better than his DraftKings price like if he was priced based on his odds he would be like 6700 dollars. exactly right so it's a really good point I, I don't think you need to do both this week with Paul Casey um unless you're just like yeah, a really big Paul Casey fan maybe around his, his fan Twitter account <laughs> but um you know just getting back to Wolf I, I like it I, I really do like it uh he's played a lot more consistent of late He's just a, he's, he's a player, too, who I think people still have in their mind, and maybe rightfully so, that he's inconsistent, so they don't need to use him at this type of event. He's only good to use in weaker field events. It just means that he's going to be lower-owned. And, you know, I, again, you can pair him with a dude like Sergio, who um, I don't mind as well, although Sergio has to bring some kind of competency on the greens, kind of like Casey this week. So, um, But as far as DraftKings goes, I would feel safer with, with Sergio than Casey, so. Okay, so the entire 7K range, I'm just kind of assessing it. Like you have, I'm interested in Na and M, although M has been a complete disaster. Na, after, I'll never play Kevin Na again, back-to-back top tens. So if a guy withdraws, sometimes you have to consider that bad luck, and then they're okay when they come back. (laughs) So what is the withdraw rules for the WGC? Like, does Kevin Na get paid if he withdraws after round one yes so this is my biggest concern with dustin as well that if he actually has a back injury not that like dustin needs the money but here's the thing about rich people they like money so if they can show up hit one shot and get like a check for 40k probably gonna do it yeah so again this this just leads me to and i've just been avoiding kevin na entirely i've been using i've been using him every single week well, you either you do one of the you do that or you do what I do and, and just to pretend he doesn't exist, right? You you play him relentlessly because on the weeks where he does go off and he's two percent owned, because everyone like me and, and other people who've been burned by him have gotten off him. So you do one or the other. I'm pretending like he doesn't exist, especially for this week because of the the WGC, um, you know, again WD rules where he's still going to get paid if he if he WDs. And we also have a major coming up, so guys might want a guy like him might want extra rest. But if you've been playing him every week, there's no reason to stop now because there's I, I can't see his ownership keep pushing up very high. And again, we're talking about a limited field event, so guys with lower ownership are kind of valuable. Um, that's my take on Kevin Na, but I am I am still out on Sunjay M. I get that that people are playing the talent here, but I don't know. He does feel like he's going to be a tad bit chalky now too, because his, his, his salary is so, so down there, even for a WGC, I would probably rather just keep going down the list and, and go, you know, in the low seven K range than, than play a, a little bit of chalk with, with Sanjay M. Yeah. I don't know how many people are going to be in on Sungjae. The thing I like about Na here is that, well, he's not driving the ball particularly well. He's hitting a ton of fairways. He's based Kevin Na. Like when you look at them statistically, he's sort of like the, I don't know, the intercontinental champion Webb Simpson. Well, he's not great off the tee, but he hits a ton of fairways. He's a good, good iron player and he can make fucking putts in bunches. Yeah. It's, it's a very good description. He, you know, he's Webb Simpson light basically. Um, you know, maybe hits like, uh, isn't quite as consistent off the tee. Maybe he isn't quite the iron player that Webb Simpson is, but he's close in all those regards. And he's, he's probably a better putter than Webb Simpson, to be honest. He's, he's probably a little bit better around the greens. Not that Webb Simpson lacks in that area or anything, but um, yeah, when, when dude gets hot, he can definitely uh, top five, uh, especially at a venue like this. So again, 
with not, it's just, you, you take the stance where you either play him or you don't. I mean, you, you either on him every week, in my opinion, and you're just going after that lower ownership, or you just pretend he doesn't exist right now, because it's a very strange situation for a guy who continually um, basically makes it known. Like he could withdraw at any time. His back is an ongoing issue. It, the nice thing about Kevin is he, he has come out and told us this, like he's given us this info that he's basically like the riskiest DraftKings play on earth every week. Um, so you, you know, that information, you can't get mad at Kevin Knopf. He withdraws at this point. He's told you he's going to withdraw like a bunch of times during the year. So I totally recognize the upside. I think if I was, was looking for upside, I would play now over him, but I'm realistically, I'm probably just going to ignore both of them and uh, either look at other players in this range or just ignore this range altogether. Yeah, so like Casey Leishman and Kucher just aren't going to make any of my lineups. But then you have Stenson. We haven't seen Stenson since the restart. He's back. I'm not going to be on him, and I don't think that very many people are going to be. I have a bet on him to win the PGA Championship that I made in December. Not feeling great about that bet at this moment. But I would like to see something from him. Like, on paper, this should be an awesome course for him but i just have no idea where his game is at stenson is a dude who normally we'd be coming into an event like this if he had played even a couple times you'd be all over it right i mean iron play he's a guy who can get hot with his butter he's very inconsistent with that club but again he's a veteran player so and, and the, you look at the the salary range he's in i mean he's 200 more than than like ian poulter so you, you're just getting such a good price on henrik stenson and you don't need him to come like top five at this price. I mean, a top 12, if he has like a really good weekend with his iron play. And again, we're getting a WGC event where Henrik Stenson wants to get in four rounds. He's, he's very much a player where he might start off slow and then just catch fire over the weekend. I, I, I will probably have a little bit of a dabble. And the nice thing about him too, you don't have to have a ton of Henrik Stenson to go overweight on the field this week. So uh, a player I might dabble in in this range, uh, especially since I'm probably not going to have any NARM. Well, if you want to go with Team No Putt, you can just go to the bottom of the 7K range. Back to back to back to back in the pricing. You have Neiman, Scheffler, Connors, Homa, and like Bubba Watson. Uh, I'm going to be fading all of the guys who can't putt. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I honestly haven't even considered this range. I mean, I, I think I might take a look at Max Homa a little bit. But the thing is, these players also feel a little bit overpriced here. And I know that's weird to say, but if you keep scrolling down under them, um, you're getting like a lot of international players who are all, a, a lot of them are ranked above these dudes in, in official world golf rankings. And they tend to show up in these bigger WGC events. Cause they're really big events for players, you know, like a, like a Matt Wallace or well, not really Shane Lauer anymore, but maybe like RCB because there's so many points and, and stuff at stake. And I mean, um, they just don't get these opportunities obviously to sometimes play every week. So I really like going with the cheaper international players over the, the players in this range. I might take a look at Homa, but or maybe even Hadwin, but I'm probably going to fade that entire range. Um, Bubba did kind of play well here last year, so he's been so weird lately, though. He he looked really good after round one last week, and then I don't even know what happened to him in round two. I just assume he he hit in the water a couple times, but that that might not even be true. Dude is just like RVing around America at the moment. Like he's played every he has played every tournament I think since the restart. He seems to be just, yeah, he seems to be having fun. And it's almost like he wants the weekend off or something. Like uh, he tried, he, I mean, he was he was in great position after round one and it's almost like he tried to miss the cut. So maybe the no-cut event gets Bubba going. I don't know. Um, I might, I, no, I know I brought up Max Homa, but I, I might actually, if I was going to play someone, I would probably play Watson over Homa here. Um, just again, I think with the no-cut event, you could see players, and, and this is the case with a guy like Casey too, but you could see a player like Bubba perhaps with the, without the pressure of the cut, um, just come alive over the weekend. And he's a player, much like I said with Stenson, if he gets hot with his irons for two rounds, he can really uh, really push up towards the top in, in, a, in an event like this. So I'll probably heavily consider sprinkling at a little Bubba. Again, a player you don't need much of to go overweight. So. Yeah, th this range is a whole fade for me. It's really different trying to assess my lineups when I'm, I know I'm only going to play three rather than playing 20, that you really need to yeah, be a harsh sure. critic of who you're going to cross off. There's no dabbling with a little bit of Bubba. It's either you're playing Bubba or you're not. So it's going to be a no for me. 6K range, though, I think there's some value down here, like you mentioned. So you can either do that, like, modified Stars and Scrubs, where you take, like, four 9K guys, or you can load up on Rory and Rom, whatever you want to do. But here are the guys that I like from down here. I like Streelman. 
I like Shez a lot. I like Lowry, your boy, Cam Smith. I really like Cameron Champ. Cameron Smith, hey? I haven't even considered him. So. Good good in no-cut events. That's kind of his jam. Oh. He gets to have his bad that, round out of the way and not worry about it. That is a very, very good point. I mean, another player who struggling to make weekends, but yeah. I mean, you know, long-term Cam Smith is, is a pretty – pretty solid player obviously he struggles uh with consistency and, and mainly just ball striking but yeah that's a, that's a good call um there, there are a lot of players i i like and and again that's that's why i didn't have much to say in the 7k range but um i look like shane lowry shane lowry was a player who if he had made the cut at memorial he probably cost me like five figures to be honest um <laughs> I, I had such a good lineup going there with with lowry he missed a, a couple three footers his putting has been absolutely terrible um, we talk about like Bubba and, and Brooks and, and Casey being bad, but Lowry has been hitting it really well, tee to green. No issues there. Uh, if the wind gets up a little bit this week and it doesn't turn into like a pure putting fest, I definitely like Shane Lowry. So uh, he's he's played well in Florida a couple times in the past as well. Played well at uh, you know Pebble Beach, places like that. So I, I'm in on that. 6600 was was way too low. I like the upside with a guy like Matt Wallace in this range. I think I'd probably play him over Ches Revi again. I'm giving the international players a little bit of a bump in this in these no cut events, where I just feel like they're they're so good at stepping up. And you know, I, I got to bring up Louie, who he's been all over the map. But he's you put mean together all, all like over the map over. in terms of like bogeys? Make, makes a lot of in bogeys? terms of just everything stats, bogeys. But look, like he he's had some really good rounds. He's had at Muirfield, they had two rounds where he gained over 3.8 strokes on approach alone. So um, he was pretty good here last year. Again, we're talking about a no-cut event where maybe he just comes in with a little bit uh, no pressure and just puts it all together. So uh, of those three, I probably like Louis the least. I did bet him at 125 because again, you're a sucker, uh, mainly for the each way odds. But he's just a player who he tends to do this right. It's like he he, he muddles around, his odds get way up, and then he just he comes like T4. So um, I'm not sure if I'll go overweight on him or, or go, go crazy with him and, on DraftKings, but just because I already have that bet. But I do kind of like the way he's trending. I think it's it's a little bit sneaky. and um, uh, But this, this 6K range is, is just feels like chock full of possibilities. So. How about the last guy? No cut. We're thinking about DraftKings scoring. And if anyone, who, if anyone rostered Brian Herman last week at the 3M – uh, right. you, you really see how DraftKings scoring is a lot different than how you finish on the leaderboard because he finished with over 100 points. So yeah, it's crazy. Here's a name for you, Phil. <laughs> Nicholson. I haven't even looked at Phil. I got to look. Yeah, 6600. So, so he he plays this course basically every single year. His driving and his irons were just atrocious at the WGC last year, but his driving has been actually like quite good um, so far since the restart and his irons are hit and miss. Sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's not, but the putting really plagued him at Muirfield village. But if you look back here, dating back to 2013, he's played every single year. He's lost strokes putting here once over that time frame. He lost 0.5 and he has certain events where he's gained over 11 strokes putting. Like he just feels like he's going to make a lot of birdies if nothing else. I feel like there's there's like four guys in this range he could make that same argument for too because you got Wiesberger and Ben Ann down there too. Yeah, kind but of they're similar. But but they're bad putters. Phil is a good putter. That's true. That's true. I think if you're just playing, I would probably go with. I, I mean, look, I'm not going to have any Phil. It, it's it's an interesting argument to make though, um, just because you're right. I mean, DraftKings scoring at the same time, this course will play a little bit harder, so. No, I'm, I'm out on Phil. I'm not, I'm not going to get sucked into that one. But it is an interesting argument because, um, again, we're getting four rounds. Phil also feels like a guy who might just, like, check out if he gets if he does, he's not in contention. No! He'll bring his coffee mug onto the course with him. Like, he's just having a good time out there shooting at pins. Hitting bombs, firing at pins. <laughs> it's true. He's having a great time. Um, I'm not going to trust it, though, because I feel like there's too many other, other plays. And... Placing points do still matter in these. So now I'm not in on Phil, but I might, I'm, I'm not really in on any of those guys I brought up, to be honest. I think I'd rather go down. I kind of like the idea with Cam Smith. I think I'd rather go down. And I also like Tom Lewis at 6,200. So I'd probably play one of those guys, maybe even get a piece of Dom and then 
then pay up for Phil, not paying up for Phil really, but then then go to the 6,500 range. That's the one nice thing. Again, they expanded the field 78. They expanded, uh, you know, the qualifications. The bottom end of this field is, it's way better than normal. So like the 6,200 guys and the 6,500 guys, there's just not much difference there. So uh, you can really save, uh, you can save quite a bit of money actually by, by uh, going a bit further down. Yeah, I might go out on Shane Lowry, add Phil to the player pool. But I still Lowry, think... If, I, if this turns into a putting fest, I mean, Lowry's going to do terrible. He but, was missing two points at Memorial. I, am, I mean, it was, it was hard to watch. So. Are, are you going to have the, uh, the Tim Andercust of Scotland, Bobby Mack? Is he going to make your lineups? Is, uh, oh, is Tim on him or something? Or? No, he just, he kind of looks like Tim. He's just a big lefty. Oh, okay. He's just a big Scottish lefty. And I mean, that's, that's Tim. <laughs> I mean, look, we're talking about people who make a lot of birdies. I mean, McIntyre can, can fill it up pretty quick. So I wasn't really thinking about him because I, I do like, he, like the way Tom Lewis is. Yeah, but he, like, he's a significantly better player than Tom Lewis is. I don't, I don't know if I'd say significantly. How better. good is Tom Lewis? He's pretty good. Like he won when he was like a teenager or something. And he went through a bit of a bad streak. But I mean, wait, dude, wait, 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 you bring up like the Sam Darnold argument. It's like, oh, he's only 13 years old. He's great. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's, he's quite a bit older than, than McIntyre. But I mean, Lewis like lit it up on the Corn Ferry tour out of nowhere. So I wouldn't say McIntyre is like significantly better. I think long-term you're probably right. But Lewis has been playing good. I don't know what McIntyre has been doing. Has he even made a start yet? No, he hasn't. Like, he's a complete yeah. unknown. That's so, why I, I actually think if you're looking for pedigree down here, like, I'm not playing Keegan, but Keegan actually kind of right. makes the most sense. But we're talking about putting. Yeah. I, I really like Champ at 62. Like, why why not Champ here? Sure. It's a par 70 Bermuda course. That's like his jam. Yeah, I I almost, you know, when the pricing came out, I almost felt like champ was going to be, end up being chalky a little bit. And like, I haven't looked at the final ownership percentages or anything. He might end up, but he's probably not going to be like super chalky just because it feels like in these no cut events, nobody under 6,500 gains like a ton of ownership. So I'm with you on champ. I mean, he stuck out to me the most in this range and, and I'll even probably have like a Lewis champ lineup where I'll just put both those guys. And then you, again, you can fit in pretty much whoever you want. Right. So that's why I like, the bottom of this thing too much. You can also look Joel Damon. I mean, he, he sets up perfectly for, for this style of course as well. I mean, I don't, he's, it's not as hard around the green complexes where he really struggled. I struggled with everything at, at your field, but um, he could easily bounce back here. So um, champ Lewis and, and Dominic at 6,200. Those guys are, again, I'll, I'll be getting exposure to them for sure. All right. That'll do it. WGC FedEx St. Jude invitational DraftKings picks and preview. Jeff Ulrich. Do you have any picks for the Barracuda? So I have a couple made, uh, Brendan Hagee, 80 to one. Uh, and I, I'm stupidly forgot, I forgot they changed the course here, right? Like they're playing a different course than normal Barracudas yeah. here. Yeah. So I, I went off a little bit of course history with him, which is kind of stupid, obviously, but at the same time, he has been playing pretty well, big hitter altitude, and he's actually a really good putter. So he can, he can fill up the birdies. And my main one is, uh, my dude, Ace Ventura, Christopher, Christopher. I don't know how you pronounce it, but he's a, he's a big hitter too. And he's a really good putter. Um, you know, again, I, I might also bet Matthias Schwab, but um, from a, from a pure, like making putts perspective, I kind of like Ventura a little bit better because um, he can just fill it up uh, with that club. And he obviously won twice on the uh, KF tour uh, last year and also has been playing a little bit better late. So those are my main two ones. I also sprinkled a little bit on uh Bo Van Pelt. What? 50. And Sang Moon Bay at 350. Oh, have fun with have fun with those. Um Schwab is interesting because he opened at 45. He's down to like 25 now. Because I think every yeah. single person who covers golf and like the betting space has bet on Schwab, myself included. Yeah, I probably should have bet him yesterday. But I, I, I bet Munoz at hundred to one. I looked this morning, he's forty-five that- to one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big move. I mean, Munoz at 100 to 1 was mispriced. That's, it, that's it, a little it, it seemed like the Casey number, but the Casey number still hasn't moved yet. <laughs> that That's surprising to me. I, I guess people are just that fed up with Paul Casey and they just have like no, no, they just don't think he can win a WGC, which I kind of understand, to be honest. So, you know, regardless, you could give them 200 to 1 and they still wouldn't bet it. I guess there's enough people out there now that it's not moving uh, the numbers, but yeah. Um, We'll have to see where that ends up. I, I, I kind of expected Casey to get to get moved down too as well. So, All right. 
Jeff Ulrich at the Fantasy Grind on Twitter. DK Nation for the new DraftKings playbook. If you want to go check that out, he has the articles up there. Where else can everyone find you? Yeah, so you can find me at uh, linemovement.com. I mean, the easiest thing is just go to my Twitter at the Fantasy Grind, but I'm doing betting previews for linemovement.com. It's a new site. Definitely go check that out. And also doing some work for uh, Osimo as well. You can check us out. We did a, a first look show yesterday and uh, have an article up there uh, weekly as well. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if I have giveaways this week in terms of the tickets because there's no millionaire maker. I'm working on it, though, to get some sort of giveaway into this $25 contest. They might just be saving it all for next week at the PGA Championship, probably when you want to play a little bit more. Highly recommend that you use fantasynational.com. Use slash Mayo or promo code Mayo and get yourself 20% off. You do it on Wednesday. You get Wednesday to Wednesday. You get three tournaments for the price of one week if you want to dip your toes into the water of fantasynational.com. Other than that, check out all the shows, rate and review, smash the like all that stuff to help keep the show free of charge i'm pat mayo thank you for watching i'll see you next time experience experience